Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everyone, Richard Crow here and welcome to On The Grid, a weekly in-depth look at the Australian motorsport scene here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. On The Grid covers everything from supercars to S5000, TCR to Australian GT and a whole heap more. The weekly spread of interviews, news, views and opinion on what makes the sport tick down under. We'd love to have you involved as well. If you've got any questions about Antipodean Racing, drop us a line on the socials by using at the Racetalk on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, and we'll include your question in the next show. So that's it from me. Grab a beer, put a snag on the Barbie, fire up some Bathurst on the TV, and crank up your V8 and enjoy an Aussie look at our great sport. And let's welcome the show's host with the most, the voice of the Melbourne cricket ground as well, is Tony Shebecki. G'day everyone, thank you for joining us right around the world, we really do appreciate it. Big show coming your way very shortly, we're going to catch up with Richard Crowell, he'll join me in talking to Jordan Love, former Porsche Carrera Cup driver and champion from last year, making his way back over to England to compete in the Porsche Super Cup, we'll talk to Jordan about that shortly. Craig Lowndes, what a legend he is of our sport here in Australia, he'll join us to, a bit of a preview I suppose, for the start of Supercars next weekend up in Sydney. And then Mark Walker also to join us as well to have a chat about uh, next week and other things that have been happening around the place. A big show to come your way right here on The Grid. Hello, Shebexter. How are you? Fantastic, mate. Uh, we're getting there, nearly there. Each yeah, week done. Real series starting soon. Yeah, week to go before basically we go racing at Sydney Motorsport Park. So Supercars back in action. Uh, and then from there on in, it's a pretty busy stretch right through to the end of the year, both here and, and this is a segue, a segue so work with me here, yeah. for overseas racing as well. Yes, exactly. And we've got an overseas driver who isn't overseas at the moment, but he's leaving very shortly to do that. His name is Jordan Love. Porsche Carrera Cup driver here in Australia last year, just did an amazing job in the championship last year. And now he finds himself with a drive over in England. Let's say good day to Jordan Love. How are you, Jordan? Hey, guys. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you, mate. How are you, more to the point? Uh, I think it came out a couple of weeks ago that you've had a fairly debilitating hip injury. How's that all coming along? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, the hip's going along, coming along quite well. Obviously, surgery was not more than about two weeks ago. So two and a half weeks ago or so. Um, but recovering quite well. Obviously, I got off, got off crutches last Thursday. So starting to get back to walking now which is I never thought I'd be saying that but um yeah managed to walk around and get around now without crutches and full steam ahead to get prepared to uh head overseas on Thursday. Now Jordan we'll talk about you heading over to race in the Porsche Super Super Cup in a minute um have you worked out now after two bone injuries in the space of 12 months that it's generally not conducive to you going (laughs) car racing? It's either that. I need to drink more milk, I think. Yeah, I know. There's a sponsorship opportunity there, mate. We need to sort something out. We'll get on it. Um, 
just, just for those who, who haven't heard about it, just tell us what actually happened to you this time around. Um, yeah, a little under three weeks ago, we went out for a surf. Um, nothing really out of the ordinary and had a bit of a fall. Didn't think much of it at the time until I landed quite oddly on the board and um, found myself in quite a fair bit of trouble. Um, taken to hospital by ambulance, um, scans and whatnot. Had my hip bones sticking out of the side of me and um, obviously knew that it wasn't too flash. And then uh, two, to, two, three days after that, found myself on the operating table, a few plates and screws and whatnot. And here we are two and a half weeks later and kind of learning to walk again. <laughs> It was amazing stuff. Uh, was the concern there that maybe this year might be a total runoff for you? Um, I think, especially after with my hand last year, it sort of it flushes through your mind. But I think I've sort of got the attitude that we'll make it work some way or another. We can always find a way. But um, it certainly did, and I thought that you know you, it's one of those things you can't just put someone in for the first round or miss the first round it's sort of something that if you can't be there at the start then you're not there at the end so um it did go through my mind but um obviously we knew straight away after a few scans and stuff that it was going to be a bit sore but it was going to be possible to to get back in the car well you won the career cup australia championship last year with a broken hand so mate you're going to dominate super cup with a broken <laughs> hip i reckon you I you'll wipe the floor with them <laughs> hey um where, where, how has COVID-19, I mean, it's changed everyone's plans, but were you due to be, we, we spoke about your racing plans at the Grand Prix in March and you weren't far away from heading over at that point, if memory serves. Um, how has it changed your plans? How has it, has it massively delayed everything you had, like planning to get over there and find a place to live and all of that? Yeah, a bit of a delay. I mean, I only, I was, I only got over there. I was only overseas for about, four or five days um, before everything turned really bad. So I was kind of not even settled in yet. And then everything sort of hit and used it as a bit of an opportunity to, to come back home. Obviously, you know, I don't get to spend a lot of time in Perth because I've spent the last three years in Melbourne. So mm. it's actually the longest period of time I've spent at home for the last three or four years. So mum and dad were, were a little bit happy that I came home. And I think with how bad it was overseas, I was quite glad that, you know, I did come home and instead of spending... Uh, you know, all that time in lockdown somewhere that I've, you know, I'm not familiar with at all and, and don't know anyone, it would have been a, a little bit of a challenge. So mm. I was lucky enough to be able to make the trip home and, and spend a bit of time at home, which was nice. Um, but yeah, it, it did affect a little bit. Obviously, didn't get as much driving done this year as as what was originally planned. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're still getting back in the car in, in a few weeks' time and we're still going to get a full championship out of it, which is a good thing. Porsche Super Cup supporting F1 races throughout the uh, year. Have you been confirmed with the calendar for the remainder of the year, you guys? Or Yeah, we've been given a calendar um, with all the dates that are confirmed, um, but the locations are still kind of up in the air. There's a lot of rumours going around as to where some of the locations might be. The first two, two rounds are locked in at Austria, back-to-back. Um, -back. So back-to-back -back rounds at the same track is going to be something new and quite interesting but um yeah all the locations there's still uh, uh some things that need to be locked in so obviously we're still sort of heading over into the unknown but hopefully it'll be sorted quite soon do you get some testing before you jump in the car at the red bull ring yeah we get two days so um again not 
as much as was originally planned. And obviously, I've, I haven't been in the car since November. So yeah. who knows what's going to happen when I get back in the car with a broken hip and haven't driven since November. <laughs> I'm find myself on a plane on the way home a bit sooner than expected. But um, yeah, we'll soon find that out. And uh, speaking to Joey Mawson in Adelaide when he was driving over here at the uh, Porsche Carrera Cup Australia first round of the year, he was a bit unsure as to where his uh, year was going to end up. And great to see that he's ended up with you uh, together in the team. Yeah, it's going to be really good to work with Joey, obviously, um, to work with another Aussie and, and someone that speaks fluent English is going to be, is going to be <laughs> nice. Um, and obviously, Joey's he's done many years over in Europe and he's finished a full year in Super Cup. So he knows what to expect and he knows what needs to be done to, to be fast. And also... Yap Van Lagen is someone that uh, my other teammate who's a very experienced guy and someone that's been around these cars for, for a very long time and, and driven at the top level of one mate Porsche racing for a very long time. So I think we've got quite ourselves quite a very good lineup at, at Fark Autotech and I think it'll be quite an interesting year and, and also to be able to learn off those guys will be quite quite a positive thing, I think. Yeah, and, and also working with that team, you mentioned Alex Fark and his team that worked with Matt Campbell, worked with Jackson Evans, so accustomed to working from with people from this part of the world, which will be great. But I reckon, Jordan, the, the fact that you're going to have, I, I reckon you'll have quite a few back-to-back rounds at the same circuit, that might actually help you because Super Cup is famous for being really brutal. You get one practice, one quality and a race and you're done. So it's really difficult to build yourself up to speed. So that ability to go back for a second week and actually draw on what you've learned might actually work for a rookie like you on a new circuit and with a new team. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a few positives that are going to come come out of it. And, and also other things like um, a lot of the guys that are at the front of the field in Super Cup, they're competing in, in multiple championships. So I think now that that's not going to be so much the case and it's almost on a level playing field with the amount of driving that we're all doing now um, is going to help out. And like you said, with the quick quick weekend of Super Cup now, putting two weekends together, it's going to be giving me a bit more of a chance to familiarise myself with the track and everything. So hopefully it does pay a bit of a positive and, and also get to spend some more time on tracks like Silverstone, if Silverstone does become a part of the calendar spend more time somewhere there where not necessarily we would get to spend a lot of time testing or, or anything like that. So hopefully it does become quite a helpful thing, get a few positives out of it for preparation for next year, that's for sure. And what's the travel plan, mate? Because I know the UK has got a 14-day quarantine. So are you going there or are you going straight to Germany with the team? What's the plan? Yeah, no. So obviously the UK is a, a little bit tricky to get get around at the moment. So I'm actually heading to Switzerland to stay stay with the team in Switzerland and then just travel with them from there. So um, they managed to help out with that. So it's going to be a lot a lot more um, easy to do it from there than trying to wiggle my way in and out of the UK all the time. So yeah, but yeah, no, it'll be good. Yeah, I think in the last couple of days, uh, a lot of European countries have opened up their borders internally to other countries. So. Yeah, apart from uh, the UK, which, of course, isn't part of the EU anymore. Uh, yeah, that makes that a little bit easier. The fact that you're uh, back into a, a 911 Gen 3 Cup car, that's a major attraction, isn't it, to, to jump into a car that you know so well? Yeah, it's going to be nice. Obviously, now that'll be my third year in, in that generation car and, and my fourth year in the Porsche. So very much looking forward to it. But, you know, as I said, we haven't driven a car since November, so it's definitely going to be 
blowing the cobwebs out. That's the longest period of time I've been out of a car since I was racing go-karts. So um, I'm sure it'll be, we'll be able to adjust and deal with it, but um, you know, it definitely might take a, take a few sessions. That's for sure. Have you snuck out to Barbagello and your mates at Arise Racing for a few sneaky laps or did the hip thing put a kibosh on that? Uh, I managed to sneak out for, for a couple of laps when I first got home. Um, but then obviously everything with my hip yeah. um, managed to affect a few of those plans. But oh well. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be right, mate. You, you'll dive straight back in, I'm sure. There's actually uh, a fair few Aussies now stepping up and, uh, and finding their way through the... Uh, through the Super Cup, which is uh, fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. Obviously, there's a few guys in there now, and, and Jackson's going into his his second year. So, obviously, he should be really competitive um, uh, this year. And, obviously, been speaking to him a little bit and trying to learn a little bit where I can off, off him. And even away from Super Cup and still overseas, you look into F3 and, and some of the formula categories, there's quite a few Aussies over there now. So, um, I'm sure there's going to be a few around the paddock and and around when we get over there. And your little brother, mate, um, pretty positive start to his Career Cup Australia campaign at Adelaide and the one race we had at the Grand Prix. Um, he's looking in pretty good shape. Looks like the Australian Series will be back in July, we hope. So um, he might be over there sooner than you think alongside you and Super Cup, mate. Yeah, we never know. Obviously, he had a really good start to the year, like you said. Um, he's actually just headed over to Melbourne uh, a few days ago. So... He's back over there now and he's um, preparing for, for their season with the team. So obviously all the best for him. Obviously everyone's been affected and, and, and everyone within, within them, but it's good to see they're getting, getting back on track and they should be, you know, back in the car relatively soon. Does it feel like a lifetime ago, Jordan, on the Gold Coast when you won that championship <laughs> so dramatically against your teammate, Darwood? It does feel like a long time ago now. Yeah, as I said, <laughs> I look back at the last time I drove a car and that was the shootout at the end of last year and that was a few weeks after Gold Coast so yeah. it's uh, it's definitely becoming a bit of a, a memory now <laughs> Just before we let you go mate uh, your mum and dad are, are regulars and popular people in the Carrera Cup paddock here in Australia uh, how have they gone over the period dad of course involved with restaurants and the like it's been a tough few months Yeah it's been obviously quite tough obviously having to being forced to close the restaurant and everything has put a bit of stress on um, but you know that's, that's the way it is. That's how everyone's been. So we've just sort of had to roll with the punches and, and get through it. So um, we're there now. Everything's back open and running, obviously, within the restrictions. So everything's back open and running now. But obviously, I think mum's a little bit upset because she won't be able to get over to be at the track with Aaron or anything like that because she's yeah. not, uh, not actually allowed to fly. But, um, yeah, obviously, everyone's in the same boat. So we'll just deal with it and she can, uh, she can sit and watch Aaron on TV. <laughs> I'll, uh, we'll, we'll try and say nice things about it. I, I tell you what, Shebex, yeah. um, I follow Coco's restaurant over there in Perth. Lovely yes. place uh, on Facebook. Their takeaway menu they were running. Look, look, if they could Uber Eats to the Barossa Valley in South Australia from Perth, I would have been, <laughs> I would have been on that straight away. It was, it looked fantastic. The Uber, the Uber Eats um, delivery fee might be a bit more expensive than the food itself. Yeah. I, reckon, I don't think they cross the Nullarbor. Hey, um, th thanks for jumping on, Jordan. Best of luck, mate. It's going to be a really, really interesting experience, I would have thought, heading over that way during all of this. But um, we're, so, we're so proud of what you've achieved and we're really looking forward to, to checking you out in uh, Porsche Super Cup this year. 
No, thanks for having me, guys. Certainly, really looking forward to head o heading over. Obviously, bit of a bit of a bummer with everything that's happened throughout this year, but everyone's in the same boat, and we finally get to head over and, and have a go now. So, really looking forward to it. So, thanks for having me. All right, Crowsy. Uh, we'd like to consider ourselves experts, but we thought we'd get one on who's much more of an expert than we are. Of course, he now works for sports as a commentator. Uh, just one of the best supercar drivers we've had in our generation. Craig Lowndes joins us for a chat. G'day, Craig. How are you? I'm very well, Tati. How are you going? Uh, excellent. Thank you, mate. Excellent. Uh, first of all, how has uh, this three or four month period treated you? Has it been a weird, weird time? Uh, yeah, I suppose it has. I think it's straight out of the Melbourne Grand Prix. And of course, we come out of that meeting and we all isolated because obviously there were some positive people or um, turned out to be positive uh, from the, that weekend. So we isolated for 14 days. So you go from being very busy in the sense of airports, hotels, racetracks to absolutely then not doing anything. And, and to be honest, it was really a strange position for me to be in because you're always busy all the time. So I actually got to a point where I woke up and I said to Lara, what day is it? It's, um, I lost track of what was going on. But in the flip side of it, it was great that I was actually able to complete a lot of the projects that I started and, uh, and really complete a lot of the things that I'd, I um, had done half jobs at. And uh, Lara always called me a half job Harry. And uh, now <laughs> I can thankfully say that that's not, <laughs> that's not the case. Um, you raced in Porsche Courier Cup at the Grand Prix CL and you looked like you were in, enjoying yourself. The, the one race... We had that weekend was a bit of a challenge, but you had plenty of car speed. Um, when was the last time you've gone this long without being in a racing car? Uh, yeah, a long time, Crowsley. I think that uh, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, really for me, um, as race drivers, you always want to be inside a race car because that's obviously where you get your best performance and your practice. But um, to be out of, outside of a seat for this long um, has been, oh, I'd have to look, think back, right? I'm back in the early days in the, Sort of the 90s when you know we only had sort of six seven rounds then you'd sort of you'd finish bathurst in october you wouldn't then restart until march april the next next uh, year so it really has been a long time out of the seat but the, yeah the porsche uh, carrera cup race was fantastic obviously the melbourne grand prix is a track that we know really well uh, i was getting to grips with the porsche obviously left-hand drive but it, it's one of those things that uh, the paddle shift and everything else was uh, something i had to get my head around because of not, not having ABS and everything else. The GT3 car that we raced, the 12 hour, obviously was a very different configured car, but uh, the Carrera Cup was a lot of fun and it was just, yeah, nice to be able to still drive something else. Uh, we, know you, we know you enjoyed it, as you said, but is it an opportunity, is it something you do again if, if the Groves came ringing and said, hey, you only got half a weekend, come back and, and finish the job? Would you, would you go back and have another go? Oh, for sure. I think that uh, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, the whole aim to, to, uh, to do the, the Carrera Cup race was just to get some seat time and hopefully look at doing something later in the year, like a, a Le Mans or, or a Spa or something else. But of course, then with all this lockdown, it, uh, you know, that all stopped. There is obviously talk, and you guys probably know it better than I do, that maybe whether the Le Mans gets pushed back later this year, whether that still is a reality. I don't know. It's one of those things that uh, the whole plan was to just to keep doing some seat time do some driving, do some different stuff, um, work within the Porsche family, which has been fantastic. And, uh, you know, really for me, uh, again, yeah, we, as I said, we'll see what the rest of this season looks like. You explained to us a minute ago what it was like for you to be out of a seat for such a long period of time. We've got 24 blokes who go racing next week in the Supercars Championship, and they've all been in the same boat. They've all been out of a seat for the last three or four 
five months or so. How tough is it going to be for these guys going straight into racing format next Saturday? Well, it's going to be interesting. I think that's, that's you're correct. I think that uh, the, the time out of the seat has really uh, has been fascinated to see. Obviously, they've filled the void with this e-racing and, and everything else. And everyone's been talking about how that relates from real racing to sim racing. But now you've got to think about how that sim and the bad habits that they've found in the sims go back to reality. And, and I'm going to find it fascinating. I'm going to be a small part of the, the commentary group that actually do go down to Sydney Motorsport Park and be present, uh, see how they adapt, how they get up to speed as quick as they can, uh, because it is going to be, as you said, um, fascinating to see, you know, firstly, it'd be great to see the cars back on track, but how they adapt to the real life, you know, all the brake uh, pedal pressures, the, the heat in the car, everything else. I know they've been doing a lot of training. I've been talking to Chaz Mostert and Dave Reynolds and a lot of people over this time about what they've been doing and how they've been filling that time. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, they've been out of the seat and yeah, see how quickly they can get up to speed. Not just the drivers either, Craig. It's also the, uh, the team, the, the mechanics, the, the engineers, the guys who work in pit. And we know that numbers have been cut down. There's extra responsibility on guys. It's going to be really tough for those blokes as well to sort of get their fingers and their hands and their legs and their brains all working in conjunction with each other. Well, it is fascinating. I've been in the race team over the last couple of weeks, sort of in and out, just to sort of see what's going on and, and, uh, and obviously getting cars prepped and ready for, uh, for next weekend. And, and it is interesting because every team only allowed 11 personnel uh, to ca- carry over or look after those two cars. And it is fascinating. There's a lot of mechanics that are not travelling, obviously, because of the, the, the limited numbers, but are also putting a bit of uh, pressure back on the engineers because they're going to have to get their hands dirty. They're going to have to get under the, under the cars, yeah. change, change the shock absorbers, do the ride heights, do the camber caster changes. And, uh, and they've been giving them a bit of stick, to be honest, because the guys that actually normally do that role, uh, they've been criticised all these years by the engineers that they're taking too long. They've, they've, uh, they've screwed up the, the, whatever they've done. They've done it wrong. Now, it's, now the pressure's back on the engineers. <laughs> and, even, and the pressure's even greater again, too, because we know that those periods between practice to qualifying to race time is even shorter again. Normally, you get half a day, possibly, to do something there. You've got a matter of an hour, an hour and a half. Well, exactly right. The whole weekend now has been condensed into two days. So it, it's going to be full on, like from rolling out the car um, on, a, on a Saturday morning and then basically getting stuck, stuck into it. Um, if your car is not in the window, you're going to be behind the eight ball very quickly. And I think that, uh, as you mentioned, like there's not a lot of time. You're going to be scrambling trying to get not only performance, but get that balance right. Um, it's going to be interesting, again, that format, that three-race format, how that unfolds. For us as uh, you know, commentators, I think it's going to be fantastic. It's been a long time since, you know, I think I have to think back, probably the late 90s that we ran that format. And, and people love it because of the, the multiple starts, the multiple carnage. Um, but again, you, if you're not at the front of that field at the beginning of the race, you, you're going to be um, in struggle town because you don't have a lot of time in race trim to make up that uh, lost performance in, in qualifying. Craig, do you think there's the potential for this new format in particular? And I'll, I'll come to City Motorsport Park in a minute because I think that's an interesting venue to come back on with all the variables that place offers. But um, do you think there's an opportunity that we'll see a slightly mixed leaderboard when we get to Sydney next week? Do you think this condensed format, lack of practice straight into racing might shuffle the leaderboard just a little bit? Well, I hope so. I think you might be right. I think that it really comes down to how teams and drivers will pull the cars out of the transporters and, and where they're at because they don't have a lot of time to, to make those adjustments or, or play catch up. So uh, 
I still think the heavyweights, the you know the Penske's, Red Bull, um, you know Erebus, even Welkenshaws, uh, those guys, I think you know hopefully will, will you know will still come to the fore, like to the front. But it it really will come down to you know you ne- you never know you know a Brad Jones car you know that they uh, they adapt to, to tracks pretty quickly and and even Tigford um, it'll be great to see how they all unfold but again at the end of the day it, it you don't have a lot of time to make adjustments or or as I said play catch up and tell me about Sydney Motorsport Park it's it's a fascinating track to come back quite technical quite high speed tyre deg's going to play a role and the pit stop rules only letting two tyres or minimum of two tyres be changed. So do you, do you foresee anyone taking a gamble and putting four on under a safety car? And would that net a big gain at the end? There's lots of variables that come with this particular racetrack as well, I suppose. Well, you're right about the tyre deck. I think there's no doubt that that's one of the, one of the highest tracks um, because of the long loading corners. And, uh, you know, turn one is high speed. Uh, turn two is a quite a tricky little double apex or if some drivers take a single apex, but it goes uphill, and then of course you go over behind Corporate Hill. It it really is a technical little track. Um, but I think the shorter races will will help the tyre life in a sense because obviously you don't need um, to do as many laps. But they, you're right. I think that strategy to put on four tyres will be very interesting to see what teams. I think sort of mid to backpack will probably gamble more because obviously uh, they've got less to lose. Uh, but I think that that strategy may play a part, you know, during the race formats. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see what team to do do that. Um, but again, I think, you know, that that'll make it just a mix up of, of hopefully the end result, which, which is what we want to see. What's the feeling inside the Red Bull Holden racing team, Craig? You're still part of that squad. You'll hopefully go back for another attempt at Bathurst later this year. What's the vibe within that team from a, from a race team point of view as compared to the, the broadcaster hat you've got on at the moment? Yeah, I think it, it, like the, the vibe in the team, I think, has been fantastic. And I think a lot of teams have adapted over this time. You know, AAA uh, or Red Bull Holden Racing Team have been doing these ventilators and everything else. So mm. the engineers have been kept busy, you know, obviously designing and doing other things, which has been fantastic. But also the main thing is keeping them employed. Uh, so I think that side of it's been fantastic that most teams have been able to adapt to this sort of different environment now. But yes, it's all full swing. Uh, you know, I was in there late last week and uh, cars were getting prepped. Jamie was in there. Shane has, has come back from New Zealand. He's now finally finished his quarantine of the 14 days uh, last week. So now he's free to be able to go into the team and t- you know, start talking and doing, touching and feeling it, you know, basically the race cars again. So that's really important for them. And, and I think they're both, you know, talking to them, they're both really keen to get back into a car and actually do some physical driving. Shane's in good shape over this time. He, he's kept uh, training, which has been fantastic. We know Jamie's always a trainer, so he, you know he's, he hasn't changed as much. Um, but the fascinating thing is, is, is with the sim racing, is that Jamie actually uh, basically constructed or designed his sim around the race car cockpit. So the steering wheel that he uses in the race car, which is now he's converted into this new sort of GT3, which we trialed at Sandown last year. He's now got his sim up and very much set up the same. So hopefully for him, it will just be, you know, basically slipping into uh, the same sort of parameters. Craig, the fan of motorsport has been taken on an unprecedented journey for the last year or two with insight into garages. First of all, with Formula One's Drive to Survive and this year with the Erebus documentary and even to an extent what we saw with the uh, 888-12-hour documentary for fans now, there are no secrets, are there? Everything's pretty much out there on the dashboard and, and ready to be knocked off. 
Well, it is. And I think that there's been, you know, obviously the, the perception of fans of, you know, the, the glamorous side is, is what the TV presents is, is basically the racing, um, you know, traveling airports, hotels, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And I think with all these documentaries that it's been able to showcase that, which has been fantastic. Um, it, it, at, at the time of the recording of it, it's a bit frustrating as a race driver because all you want to do is bury your head into data and get away from it all and, and make a car go fast. But of course, that's the part that people want to see now is, is all the behind the scenes, what goes on, all the hard work, getting up early, getting to racetracks, preparing or repairing cars if you got caught in damage. Uh, the late night, the mechanics go under, and then, of course, they still got to front up the next morning. All that side of it, I think, is hopefully with these documentaries has opened up, you know, the, I suppose, the viewer's understanding of what actually does go on behind the scenes. It's not as glamorous as what it, we all portray it to be, but um, it's been great. Like, I think there's no doubt about that. The Erebus um, documentary is, is, is really showcased the, the, the human element. Like, you know, we all get frustrated. Um, I've been very good at my whole career of being able to hiding that from everyone. And, um, but you, but you get frustrated, you know, you get angry, you, you know, you have those, you know, have those meetings behind closed doors and uh, keep it away from public. But with these documentaries, it, it, it's bare bones. Like you see everything. Yeah, there was definitely no hiding about your feeling of that uh, 12-hour car. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Merc. <laughs> the Merc was uh, right out there. Uh, the other thing on this too, and just with your media hat, I suppose, and your driver hat melding together, what's the next frontier in regards to how we can present our sport and how we can present our drivers and teams? We've seen in football now that coaches are being interviewed on their way out to the ground and players are being interviewed on their way back into dressing rooms at halftime and the like. Can we do more as a sport in regards to portraying what happens out there on race day? Uh, well, I think that these documentaries, I think there's more of the insight of now, you know, the, the debriefs and other things that, that don't really get uh, showcased because, you know, they're obviously the secrets of what, you know, roll centres and spring rates you want to run and all that. I think that side of it could be explored some more. We are very much exposed quite more than most other sports. You know, drivers are signing autographs, getting interviewed, yeah. walking to race cars, even on the grid, you know, when you get, uh, you know, a Greg Murphy or a Mark Larkham sticking their head in the door and you're basically strapped in and you're, you know, 30 seconds or 40 seconds away from the start of a big race. Uh, so we're very much exposed already at that point. But uh, I think more the behind the scenes in the garage or in the transporters, of what actually the meetings go on and what actually happens behind closed doors. And as I said, these documentaries have sort of opened up that sort of Pandora's box, that side of it a bit more, which I think we could probably showcase. Are you going to do more sim racing CL after your brief series <laughs> cameo or is that sort of parked to the side now? Uh, I did a Rick Kelly. Um, <laughs> as soon as that last race was done, I, I dismantled the sim, which was actually the sim, the simulator was, it's owned by the race team and it's the race team's property. And, they're lucky enough to loan it to me the, the, for the short period that I had it for doing those cameo appearances. But uh, as soon as that uh, uh, laptop, that Zoom laptop went down, that uh, log off on Discord um, got disconnected. Uh, the sim got unplugged and pulled apart and, and I've, I've taken it straight to the race team. And I even had Roland Dane look at me as I walked it through the, 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 uh, the second floor straight into the boardroom where it's now housed basically saying, oh, you're over it. And I said, yes, I was over it a little while ago. Um, it, it, it served a purpose. It was fantastic. I think that obviously the images that people saw, uh, it was great. It was great to have some of the sim professional races um, come part of uh, the series. Um, there's no doubt that uh, the core group of Anton, Shane, Scotty McLaughlin, 
Uh, even Chaz Mostert towards the end, Dave Reynolds, a little bit of a cameo, but uh, you know, then you showcase how badly we are. You know, you've got you know Frosty out the back. You've got Dave. Well, Dave Reynolds has, as I said, fluctuated. You know, even Jamie Winkup. Um, you know, there was probably not one race there. I don't think he was ever lapped. So um, you know, it does showcase that it's a very black art to be able to. When you take an element away from a race driver, which is that tactile feel of what the car's doing underneath you, um, it really does upset you completely because it's all in eye-hand coordination that you've really got to then sense of what the car's doing by your hands by the feel of the vibration of the pedals, or the steering wheel. Um, you don't get that bum of your seat feel of what's underneath you. So it really is something that you have to really learn about. You did a better job, Craig, of hiding any displeasure you may have had uh, when compared to your old mate and co-driver, Neil Crompton. Oh, boy. Uh, because he's <laughs> at us. His sense of humour failure during the celebrity race remains one of the highlights of 2020 so far. It was outstanding. So you did a better job of hiding any potential emotions that came around any disappointment from sim racing than he did. <laughs> well, yeah, when they, uh, when they came up with the concept of having that celebrity sim racing, I think it was fantastic. Uh, there is still talk of maybe getting that uh, reunion back together of, of all the drivers. But also the fantastic part of, of all that sim was to have like a Chad Reed log in from uh, America and, and, and people around uh, around the world to be able to log in and, and all come together, which was, that was the fantastic Zach Brown was there, and I know he was he was bad mouthing me, you know, and yeah. and I had a target on target behind my back because obviously the record that we've got at Bathurst, but as I said, the sim side of it is completely different. And then you had the unexpected of a Dan a Dan Reardon come mm. up, and, and you know he was super fast, and like you had no idea that Dan would actually even uh, come to grips with something like that. Um, so anyway, look, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, there was a lot of carnage. Uh, yeah, Neil Crompton sucked at it um, and you know, as, as you guys said he didn't uh, mix his words by about how uh, how uh, disappointed his performance was it was no. just fantastic TV hey yeah, mate was. thanks for jumping on um, best of luck at Sydney Motorsport Park we're all a bit jealous that you get to go and know it all starts but we're looking forward to the insight you'll bring from what's going to be a really interesting paddock to be part of I think after four months away and with so few people there and really intense sort of weekend coming up. So we're really looking forward to getting your thoughts on Fox Sports in a week's time. Yeah, thanks, guys. I think, look, it's going to be very interesting, as I said. It's a different world now. been watching the, uh, the football come back to, back to life and, uh, to, and to have crowdless um, grandstands and stadiums. I think it's been you know, quite interesting to see what's happened. You know, Sydney Motorsport Park for us, the lease for this event will be the same. Um, no... Uh, sort of other categories running around, which is support categories. So it really will be a different uh, atmosphere. But again, it's going to be jam-packed because of the action. As you said, it's condensed. It's going to be fast, furious, and uh, I think the racing will, will definitely uh, shape up to be the same. I'm afraid that the drivers might like to know crowd too much, that we may never be allowed <laughs> back in. <laughs> well, I can say that a few drivers probably will be ticking that box for yeah. future reference, um, <laughs> making sure that they can get from the transporter to the garage without signing an autograph or getting interrupted. But, uh, but look, as I said, you know, that's part of what Supercars is all about is, is the accessibility to, to drivers and everything else. And, uh, and the drivers that, uh, and, and I know there's some drivers that uh, will be f prefer this uh, in, uh, basically environment, but they've got to suck it up because, uh, you know, hopefully soon enough we'll get uh, spectators back at racetracks. And we appreciate our accessibility to you, mate. Thank you so much for today. No problem. Thank you very much, guys. Craig Lowndes joining us here on The Grid. We've got Mark Walker from the racetalk.com. Hello, Mark. 
for Dexter Crowley, uh, no comprehension of time this week. We don't have that marker on a Wednesday night to know which night to put the bin out. So I just went out Sunday night in the hope that one day the garbage man will tour past the facility <laughs> and clean out the bins. It's sort of the thing we need to touch on at the top, I think, is the ruination of Wednesday nights. <laughs> Wednesday nights used to be a nothing night. Then they've become a excitable night. And now they're back to, well, they're probably worse than nothing now. Mm. All the fun's taken out of it. Mm. We've had 10 weeks of, of comedy, of laughter, of uh, pretty significant emotion at times. Um, Helicopter crashes. Yeah, uh, quite a bit of, of drinking responsibly, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. More or less. Uh, um, and, um, and generally a lot of fun for 10 weeks. And it made a pandemic bearable. Um, and now we've got nothing in this two-week gap where we have to wait for real, real world racing to resume. So... Yeah, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's, um, yeah. it's not a good thing. I mean, we've got the advantage here in Victoria that we're watching uh, our state government implode. So <laughs> that's sort of fun to watch. It doesn't deliver the same kind of joy, though, Shebex, does it? No, no, it doesn't. No, that's true. Political implosions just aren't quite the same as watching Nelson the dog watch Nick Perkett race in the E-Series or yeah. Compton on the Rev Limiter. It's just yeah. not quite the same thing. Yeah, branch stacking or a stack at turn three, <laughs> I, I know what I'd prefer. I still think that that stack at Monza on the opening lap, yeah. that was my absolute yeah. highlight. I cried laughing. Yeah. I, I woke the baby up and I was in tears. <laughs> but I mean, supercars have to be congratulated. They have done the best E-Series of anyone on the face of the planet. They had all the drivers there. They had all these guest stars come in. The TV production was absolutely ace. The commentary, everything was, it all worked. It was all the, the regular commentators. Um, there was no stupidity. Well, there, there was a level of stupidity from the drivers, but you, you look at the stuff that's happened overseas with NASCAR, with uh, Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace uh, causing grief to their yeah. real-world jobs by what they did in the E-Series. You look at Daniel Apps putting the ringer in there and... Um, He's come unstuck too. He's lost his job out of that. So I think all in all, we did an awesome job. We had a great product and uh, everyone played the game well. I'm not sure if I understand exactly why the big names didn't turn out, especially in the Formula 1 E-Series. Why didn't Lewis Hamilton drive regularly? Why didn't Sebastian Vettel drive regularly? What is there a reason? If you look at Daniel Ricciardo, he was on a farm with no internet connection. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't play. <laughs> he could barely make a phone call out. So, uh, and he's been locked down out there. So, I mean, obviously, these different drivers would have their different reasons, I guess. Yeah, I think as well. I mean, Ricardo was on record somewhere saying that he just didn't interest him in the slightest in terms of that. He, he does the sim stuff at Renault to tick the boxes for what they need for the F1 team, but he had no interest in racing it. And I, I think as well... Um, Formula One's got much less sort of central influence over their drivers, and they certainly don't rely on the sport so much um, in terms of, you know, Lewis is going to make $100 million a year anyway. doesn't really yeah. matter if he's in the E-Series or not, whereas here and to a certain extent in the States, certainly with the IndyCar stuff, because a lot of the main game guys turned out for that, if not all of them, um, looking after your sponsors and your backers and your brands and everyone involved and the fans as well was certainly more important, I think, to those guys. So that's what brought that level of uptake. But yeah, it, it was such a well done thing. Mm. Um, it's certainly the, the model on which any future E-series along those lines will need to be based on because the standard was just set so high. And I think that's why 
um, it's created such an impact. And we ran the story two weeks ago on uh, TRT about how they estimate that it's it's reached 500,000 new people that had never watched a supercar race before. And I think we said it on the show last week. If you translate even 5% of that into actually watching a real world supercar race, then that's an absolute 100% meaningful result because how much would you have to spend in marketing dollars to reach 5% worth of new fans to bring to an audience to your sport? Um, it, It makes the investment completely worthwhile. And I mean, you've seen sponsors too embrace it. You've mm. seen our friends at NTI embrace it by what they've done with the race talk and done with yeah. the South Bay Ridge. And it's been fantastic to see across the board all these different sponsors from the different teams going, all right, well, we'll make the best out of this opportunity, wheeling out new liveries, having a bit of fun with it, bringing in their Formula One drivers from overseas. It's been fantastic. Well, and the list on that is long as well. And, and, I mean, NTI have been amazing in, in their support of the race talk and our podcast and the inside the E-series show, some segments of which have aired um, on On The Grid in the last couple of weeks, which have been really good. Um, Castrol retooled their ad with old mate, the cleaner. Yes. Um, when the E-series started going, oh, it's a bit it's hard Bert. to clean. Hey? It's Bert. Come on. You Bert. should know his name by now. You've had 10 weeks of Bert in the screen. Yeah, yeah there, were a lot of, there were a lot of Bert ads. Um, but so they retooled that with, oh, it's a bit hard to clean up. Now they're all racing from home. Um, shot a Rick Kelly smiling at the camera. That was genius. Um, the Doric involvement with um, with Will Davison, keeping him on the grid when the Milwaukee thing fell over. The Oran Park town sponsorship at the final round, which was at Oran Park. Um, the list goes on and on. And there's been other activations in there as well. So, yeah, really, really impressive. And, and that uptake's been outstanding. Well, the other activations have to include the big name drivers that they uh, they got from overseas as well to be a part of it. It wasn't just the local activations, but to regularly get overseas guys competing in the uh, in the series was fantastic. Yeah, and we saw a meaningful uptick when Max Verstappen rocked up. Um, Will Power called people a wanker, which is means Will Power's in the house, which was great. Um, Lando Norris was very entertaining and was only down to do one round and uh, ended up doing three, which was mm. terrific. So, yeah, that that all added a meaningful level to it because and and like them going and racing on ovals or racing at Watkins Glen or Silverstone it's just not something that's ever going to happen in supercar racing the, the chance of Max Verstappen doing a supercar race is pretty pretty small um, at least until he retires from F1 driving down the road so um, to have those guys come in to go to the tracks they went to as well like I would pay cash money to see a supercar run on an oval. I would pay cash money to see one run at Watkins Glen. We got to do that through this. Sure, it was virtual, but it, it's so realistic in that simulation that it was such a good thing to see. So from that respect as well, I, I thought it delivered. Right, yeah. Here we go. Here's, we're going to sort this. Okay. Last race of this generation car end of next year, say. Yep. Let's send them over and off uh, an oval. If they all get binned, nobody's going to Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they might be used for him in a Super 2 event the year after, but we'll, uh, uh, maybe not. They might not be Super 2. Correct. Uh, hey, the other thing we should look at too, and we spoke at the start there about the destroying of Wednesday nights for us, and it's been quite amazing. I think we, with the uptake of the series we had a feeling that probably this is an opportunity for supercars under their new calendar to maybe do some midweek racing 
and sort of uh, change it up a bit and try and get that audience. Just wondering whether they might take heed from numbers that have come through from NASCAR and the fact that their Wednesday nights have gone pretty disastrous in regards to their first few weeks. Yeah, it's an interesting study, and Mark, you've been across it as well, that the the, the Wednesday night concept broadly in the industry itself has been very well received. Drivers love it. Teams love it. The racing's been pretty good. A um, lot of uptake on the fact that the races have generally been shorter on the Wednesday night. They haven't gone three and a half, almost four hours like some NASCAR races do. Big tick, tick, tick. But the stat, and you sent the stats for earlier this week, that the three Wednesday night races are in the 11 lowest rated races on nascar tv in the last 20 years and they run more than 30 races a year it's a pretty inauspicious list to be Mm. on so um while broadly they've been accepted by the industry that the tv numbers aren't great now it's all relative the numbers are still pretty good in the context of every other form of motorsport in the usa but like for like they've not been that good so yeah, look, it's interesting. I, I wonder how it would play out here. And, and we were, we've were we been quite keen on this show about getting um, getting some weeknight racing and, and supercars trying to own Wednesday nights. And I, I still think there's something in that. Um, may, maybe it's an item for down the road that they need to, to target because there are so many things that need to be brought into it, into that conversation. Would a crowd go? And at the moment, there are there are really only two tracks in the country that could host a Wednesday night race in Sydney Motorsport Park and probably Barbagello. Would people go on a Wednesday night after work? Do you do it in summer during school holidays, perhaps? Um, would you get corporates there? Corporates are an enormous amount to the bottom line of supercar events in terms of making them viable. So would you get people go there after work? Would they just go there early and get on the booze? Who knows? So there are a lot of variables into it. Um, but from a TV only perspective, I'd be really interested to see it. The other thing here is on a Wednesday night, you're not competing with football. So I'd be really interested to see how it works. So I'm sure it's on the cards, Mark, for the future. I'm sure it's in their thoughts. And, and certainly the success of the E-Series will make it more of a possibility than it ever was. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's been a tale of two stories in the States just to see how that's played out. Yeah. and. We've still got a fair bit to sort out here in supercar land. It's come out this week that Fox, Fox Health, Fox Sports would prefer to have a summer series coming up uh, next year, perhaps. I'm not sure how that's all going to pan out, but uh, there's talk about that's what they're looking at. Um, yeah, interesting times. And I mean, obviously, too, the supercars for this year, for 2020, we've talked about it since I've released their original first draft of the calendar. That It's, it's fluid. It's going to change, and it already will be changing because we won't be finishing at Bathurst in February. So it'll finish this year. So they're going to have to possibly squeeze a few more events into this year. So how that looks, I'm sure somebody over there in the Supercast Tower knows what's going on. But uh, here in Fanland, we can sort of speculate. And hopefully they do do something that's a bit left field. Mm. Out of all these rigid calendars, the only one that was slightly left field was the ARG going to Tasmania for two weekends in a row. Mm, So hopefully supercars uh, pick up the ball and and do something, try something. Uh, Wednesday night at Sydney Motorsport Park would be great. So, Crosby, take us through what you understand to be the finish of the calendar for 2020. As we said earlier on, uh, we were told that there was going to be Auckland in early January and finishing, or mid-January, and then finishing in Bathurst early February. 
that now looks like that's been brought forward to a finish at Sydney Motorsport Park for December. So mm. the two questions that come out of that is, will we have a second Bathurst event? I'd say probably not. And what happens to Auckland? Uh, well, well, let's let's look at the the change first, and and so contractually, supercars need to look after New South Wales by having the grand final in that state, which is why they attempted to do it in February. Um, for whatever reason, it, it since occurred, and, and they, as Mark said, they were very clear about this being a fluid calendar. Um, it, it's turned out that they now don't want to run into twenty twenty one. They want to finish this year. So the talk is now Sydney Motorsport Park as the finale in mid-December, which would make sense because the lights will be up, run a big Saturday night show. Hopefully by then you'll be able to get big crowds. Um, I know the National Cabinet's authorised 10,000 people in 40,000-seat stadium. So Sydney Motorsport Park, big grandstand, lots of... We still don't know how that equates to motor racing, do we? Because well, I mean, uh, they also said that 10,000 has to be sold seats. Yeah. So effectively, you only have a, a grandstand at Sydney Motorsport Park that doesn't hold forty thousand. No, it seats five and a half. But but the, the, this is all like two weeks ago. You would never have thought you'd get a crowd at a sporting True. event in this country, and now we're looking at ten thousand. So it's cha- again changing so quickly. We've said that every week for the last two months. Um, so that makes sense. Run at Sydney under lights, prime time, December, terrific. Um, the interesting other moves are, so the, the, the hot rumour during the week was that Sandown will move back to being pre-Bathurst and the bend disappears. And this was reported in the motorsport media here. Mm. That that doesn't add up for me. And I'm certainly, there's a bias here from my end because I'm, I'm tied up with the venue a little bit, but um, it just doesn't, that doesn't make sense when you, you'd park a legitimate promoter in a state which is leading the country in bringing attendance back to professional sport. The Crows Power Showdown on the weekend, we won't talk about the result, um, was the first AFL game to have a crowd um, with the sport coming back to professional competition. So um, if you're going to have a crowd at a motorsport venue, the bend is the perfect place to do it because you can socially distance the hell out of a motor race there. Um, So yeah, it's all a little strange and it's all a little fluid and and there are so many moving pieces. in that scenario. So it's going to be weird to see how that plays out. Maybe it's an opportunity for some innovation, like Mike said. The thing with Sydney Motorsport Park is it copped flack over the years because no one ever turns up. Mm. No one ever goes. And that is true to an extent. The problem that they've got there is the perception of the joint. It is so vast. You put 30,000 people in there and it it doesn't look full. You put 30,000 people in Oran Park, yeah. And the place was bursting. Put the, it was absolutely ringed. Well, it's just a, a matter of the size of the joint. You could put a million camp chairs in there. All right, mm. well, we're going to have a quarter of a million people turn up. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Yeah. The interesting thing for mine, and, and what I think might change that perception is the lights. Because the, yeah. the, the first night race at Sydney Motorsport Park, um, were, you, were you blokes there for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for... You were there with yeah. Mark, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, for me, it felt... You know, everything under lights feels more intimate. It's not the right word to use, is it? But because um, there's nothing intimate about Western Sydney. Um, Spectacular. But, yeah, certainly. But it, it gives even a small crowd under lights feels bigger than it does in the daytime. You can't you can't see them for starters. So did you say you can't be intimate in Western Sydney? No, I said it's not the right term. Oh. I'm sure you well, can. That's, that's 
It's where the Rookie Hill RSL is. That that was going to be my next comment. I didn't say that. I said it's not a word I would use to describe Western Sydney. Okay. Vast, sprawling place that it is. Um, What have you done? Um, So so I think that might save, it it might help people go back to that joint because under the lights, it it feels better. It's got a better vibe, I think. Yeah, no, you're absolutely spot on. It's a, an amazing place. And I wonder whether they would actually go to the extent of having their final race on Sunday night. We, we, we know they'd probably go Saturday night for sure. But would you race the last race of the year on Sunday night as well? That'd be quite amazing. Okay. We talk about the AFL grand final being under lights on a, on a, a Saturday night or a Sunday night. It would look pretty good. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And, and that decision, I am sure, will depend on can a crowd go? What's the corporate situation? What does Fox want from a TV perspective? If, imagine that round would be a Channel 10 event as well, being the finale. So beyond free to air. So what do they want in prime time? I, I would have thought a Saturday night blockbuster finale would be, oh, uh, would be a good. It's not go rating out. season. It would be out of ratings time by the middle of December. Yeah, true. true, but there's still ad dollars to be found there, though. And the Big Bash has proved that over the, the last 10 years. So, and, and would you be, would the Big Bash be started by then? We haven't seen that schedule yet, probably a week or two before the cricket would have started. So it could actually be the perfect time to run some primetime sport because it'll be that two-week window where there's nothing going on at all and you could own it. Is, Is the, the, uh, cricket going to be a thing? Well, yeah. <laughs> cricket's yeah, having exactly. their own little bit of turmoil. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you're dead right. Uh, the going back to the, the the thing with the bed, and it only just occurred to me. And I don't know where this is actually being brought up, but has that discussion been based around the fact that it wasn't going to be a Channel Ten event due to that contractual arrangement, where they only had they had Sandown in the contract or something? Uh, I don't think that's got anything to do with this potential change to the calendar. No, but um, the event was going to happen one way or another. Um, yeah, look, all I know is is that. The Ben fought really hard to get that Bathurst warm-up enduro. They they wanted it. They went after it. They promote that event so they pay a sanction fee to host it um, and to put it on and promote it. So they they went real hard to get that. Um, now, if it went back to being a sprint round because of the current situation and the the only enduro may still only be Bathurst. Um, again, we don't know. Um, that that will be something that they would have needed to sort out with supercars. So, look, maybe the decision was taken. It's like, well, if we're not going to have an enduro, we're not going to have anything. Yeah. I don't know. Um, th- this is the million-dollar question, quite literally, that needs to be answered. So we'll, we'll find out. I bet you by the time this podcast drops, <laughs> there's a press release that's come out with a new calendar. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. These are the politics of the game and in a really crazy year to work through all that kind of stuff anyway. Mark, from your understanding of what's been happening over in NASCAR, has anyone tested positive to COVID-19 in the last three weeks since they've been running? No, but they're probably getting close. I mean, you look at uh, USA at the moment, they've they've gone through 2 million cases in total. They've had 115,000 deaths. They're getting 25,000 new cases a day still. Mm. Flattening the curve, but they're not getting on top of it at all. They're still getting 25,000 cases a day. Still 1,200 to 650 people dying a day, and it's going up in North Carolina. Like, that's mm. why they've moved the All Star race to Bristol in Tennessee, uh, because they just do not have a handle on it over there. 
and the fact that all these little speedways are opening up with punters and none of them are taking any precautions at all, um, it's pretty wild. But uh, this is the life that they seemingly want to live over there at the moment. I mean, just in, in all forms of it, like, look at the racial stuff that's going on over there with NASCAR this week, banning the Confederate flag. Like, that's a big thing because from the mainstream or the lamestream media, they're all on board. They think this is fantastic. It's progress for NASCAR to ban the Confederate flag, which has its connotations to the Civil War and slavery. That's why it's an issue. Um, yeah, all the media's on board with it, but 50% of the fan base in a survey aren't on board with it. So they've just put offside half their fan base by banning mm. this flag. So, yeah, that, there's a lot of issues to work out over there at the moment. Uh, obviously, they're back racing, but, um, you know, they're, they're sort of blazed the trail there by being the first back, but um, it'd be interesting to see how it all pans out. Yeah, it, it's been interesting to watch and it's been interesting to read the reports and the, the first-hand sort of um, reporting on people that have been allowed to go at that first round at Darlington. There were four media there spaced up in the media centre. They weren't allowed in the paddock. And, and, and it's so pointless. Like, they're turning up there, these four media people. They're stuck in the media room. They can't go and talk to anyone. Yeah. All they're allowed to do is look out the window. Yeah. I've never seen something more pointless in all my life. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, why? Why would you just not stay home? Um, yeah, so and that it's been really interesting with the way they're doing it, and and clearly um, that that sport and IndyCar as well for their first race back at Texas, um, they've taken a huge amount of responsibility in making sure it they're taking the appropriate precautions. If a lot of the population over there don't seem to be doing that at the moment, so. Um, for their own sake, just to, to keep their businesses going because those those race teams, they, the whole industry doesn't happen. And we, it's the same problem here. If there's no motor racing, it, it's in a world of pain. So, um, yeah, gee, it's a close run thing. But they've gone a month now back to racing and, and they've had no positive COVID tests out well, of it that we know of. Yeah. Well, what they've said is that they have turned people away at the gate. It hasn't yeah. been many people, but they yeah. do their temperature yeah. check at the gate and there have been a small number of people out turned around. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, we're 11 days out from our second race of the year for supercars effectively. Does it feel like we're only 11 days away or uh, is there a level of excitement about <laughs> next week or are we a little bit just flat over everything that's happened in the last few months? Cause I know two to three weeks out from Adelaide, I'm pumped and I'm ready and I, I want to jump out of my seat. Sydney's coming up. We can't go. Nobody can go. We can only watch it on the telly. That level of excitement just isn't as great. Yeah, you're talking about time, though, and my perception of time has disappeared over the last well, couple that's of weeks. True too. I have no idea what it is. Less so now I don't have Wednesday as the anchor point of my week. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, look, I'm... Um, yeah, I don't know, mate. It's a good question, isn't it? Um, personally, I'm more excited about Winton because it looks like that'll be my first event back with some support category. But, yeah. Um, so I'll actually be able to go and go back to go, literally go back to work. Um, but again, we don't know. Yeah, it's a strange one. I, I don't know how to describe it. I'm really keen to see it back, but it, it doesn't. Yes. We, we feel like it's just been, we're just, personally, I feel like well, the season's just still going. Like, 
it doesn't feel like it's round one because I know we've had that. We had it in Adelaide 47 years ago. It's sort of funny. You had all that off-season where you had Pally Racing. Now, this is the struggle to get these cars to the grid. Yes. This is the struggle. Yeah. Oh, boy, last minute, Larry, here we go. Yeah. And all the cars have been prepped, ready to go since Friday morning to Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> they probably need a spanner check and maybe consider looking at the oil. But uh, mm. they've been ready to to trot for months now. Like, there's no movement there in team land because everything's the same. The big news story this week is that uh, Tickford rearranged their garage. Yeah. Which actually, which actually was spoken about by Tim Edwards on our program over a month ago, but that's okay. It was, yeah. 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 True. I'm uh, glad everyone picked up on it a month later. Six weeks, I reckon, should be <laughs> that interview with, with Tim. Uh, you're probably right. Yeah. Oh, oh Kelly's the, the, one of the best, the, one of our best great stories of the year was this rush to get those cars built and they rolled them out and they rolled them out at Adelaide and it was fast, but that storyline's now just vanished mm-hmm. because they've now had the same amount of time as everybody else to get their stuff together. Yeah. And, and they've had to build two sims too in that time. So yeah, I mean, exactly yeah. right. They've been real busy. <laughs> Guys, I'm sure that when we talk next Wednesday, things will be different. The level of excitement will be up there. We'll be talking about who's going to win, who's going to lose and uh, we'll be into it. Yeah, well, it'll be a full preview, won't it? Of it will. Round three? Of the races, races seven and eight, is it? Race seven, eight, and nine of a nine, that's right. So if I had two races. Yeah. I still haven't worked it out yet. <laughs> I'm sure it's because we had a qualifying at Albert It's the Park, only reason. Those races there count, but it's bloody baffling to me. Anyway. It is the only reason. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we'll do it again next week, eh? Yeah. Preview Sydney, back to racing. Cool stuff. Look forward to it. Good on you, Mark. Thanks, buddy. And thank you for joining us right here on The Grid. We'll catch you again next week. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.